well, well, here we are, lads, on our very first episode of Let's Be Real. How are we all feeling about episode one today? Cheddary, but excited, yeah. Nice. Very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good, good. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of excitement in this room right now. Just would like to thank everyone for joining us today on the Let's Be Real podcast, coming all the way from New Zealand here. Wherever you may be from, I hope you're having a great day so far. I'm James, and I'm going to be hosting this podcast today. Joining us today is also Kyan. How are you doing, man? I'm great, man. Yeah, I'm good. Good, good. Also joining us today is Nayan. How are we doing? What's up? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Nice. So, here on the Let's Be Real podcast, we cover the big news of the week inside the entertainment industry, including movies, television, streaming, and more. There's always plenty of stuff to banter about because, as you know, there's always something interesting happening inside the entertainment industry. So, today... We will be covering several different topics, including the streaming numbers of Peacemaker, Peacock losing $1.7 billion in the last year, Jason Momoa potentially being in Fast and Furious 10, the Producer Guild Awards and the Director Guild Awards nominations, and a little bit of our Academy Awards nomination thoughts right now. There is a lot to talk about today, boys, so let's get to it. First up. Peacemaker is a surprise hit. Business Insider reports of the HBO Max original series. Peacemaker is currently the biggest series in the world, beating other popular shows such as The Book of Boba Fett and The Witcher. Data firm Parrot Analytics measures audience demand accounting for the interest in and engagement with or overall popularity of a TV series. Peacemaker is 69.5 times more in demand than the average studio series it is no secret that the suicide squad completely bombed so when taking that into consideration it is quite a surprise that peacemaker is doing so well what do you guys take away from this and what does it mean for future dceu content on hbo max see i think it's a john cena effect here i mean he was very beloved in the wwe where he played this charismatic type of character Mm. in his um wrestling career and we're sort of getting that here in peacemaker He's charismatic, but with a lot of darkness and goofiness about him, which is perfectly John Cena. So I feel mm-hmm. that's what the audience is attaching themselves to. Mm-hmm. I also think that this show is giving HBO Max a huge confidence boost. It's their first big HBO Max film, first um, comic book um, TV series as well. And it's doing so well. It's beloved by critics and um, fans alike. And I also think it's direct competition right now was the witch and is currently the book of boba fett Mm. the witcher is it's somewhat somewhat of a niche show you know like some people like it some people don't it's that fantasy sort of thing where it's not that it's popular amongst the gaming community but not wider audiences Mm, and the book of boba fett is just the episodes are just so inconsistent that it's not (laughs) yeah yeah that it's just not enough to engage the people back so i think with all those aspects yeah it's great Mm. yeah um it's it's an interesting discussion i mean i think it's quite a simple answer really and i think it's james gunn i think he is the reason and i also think that you know this is the distinction between the mcu and the dceu is that the mcu is is great and consistent Mm. but the dceu is in its own way completely inconsistent it can have good movies and bad movies but the bad movies are often so different. They're so something you've never seen before that it just draws people's attention. Mm. Like it's like moths to a flame. Um, so I think this, this is 
the peacemaker is is having that effect i think that people are going this is something i haven't seen before it's tonally different from what i get from the disney plus shows from the mcu and people are drawn to it and i think james gunn is the reason to that for that he's um sort of a filmmaker who's immediately shifted from almost like the point at which the suicide squad ends to into this into this tv series so Mm. it's like almost like a seamless seamless switching yeah you know james gunn is just he has that power to you know make you feel for these characters and and all those sorts of things so i think that's probably the, the the key there um i don't think this will have the same long-term success like Marvel films will. By what I mean is that I don't think HBO Max's consistency will be there. Yeah. They don't have it, not like Marvel do. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be, again, their Achilles heel yeah. um, in the end. So, you know, they've carved out a spot for themselves yeah. and they've been very successful at it with this show. Um, how they'll do in the future, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we all know that the Suicide Squad movie, that bombed at the box office. It, it did. Did, yeah. did not do well. It had the HBO Max day and date release. Some movies have, you know, far succeeded what the Suicide Squad did, but yeah, clearly the Suicide Squad did not do that. Mm-hmm. And I think Peacemaker being more successful on HBO Max platform is because it doesn't have that IP attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because that 2016 Suicide yeah. Squad, it rubbed people the wrong way definitely that was kind of like universally disliked that movie mm-hmm. and so peacemaker is not that and it doesn't have that name attached to it so it can it has the opportunity to be its completely own thing and establish you know john cena as that character moving forward um but personally i'm very happy about this because i was quite worried when suicide squad did not do well i thought you know what maybe they might not bring james james gunn back Mm. You know, maybe they're like, oh, he, you know, he makes a good movie, but he doesn't, you know, attract the general audience here. Yeah. And so this is proving wrong. So I hope it, you know, makes further James Gunn projects or where you can helm it or be a part of it or whatnot. Yeah. I, yeah, I just I hope, hope so he's too. at least writing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. yeah he, he does it really well. And, you know, I think this gives us, you know, quite a strong indication that, you know, HBO Max can replicate what disney plus are doing with their marvel shows you can create good shows out of these characters and you have to bring in that right talent the, mm-hmm. you need that talent like you were saying before you don't know if hbo max are going to be consistent and on that level that mcu do it every single time mm-hmm. if, H, if hbo max bring the talent they can absolutely rival what disney plus is doing mm-hmm. but i also think the draw factor here is that they drop three episodes all at once they did yeah. yeah yeah that gives you a really good sense of what the show is going to be about yeah the f- the audiences that may be on the verge of i'll try this out or i won't do it they get to see three episodes and they get to decide that's true if you watch one episode because i saw the first episode and i was like this is fun i don't know if i'd want to continue this if i wasn't reviewing it but after the third episode, I was like, this is a ton of fun. I'm having a great time. Let's keep going. Yeah. And then I watched all through the seventh episode straight away. So I think there's actually a kind of a release strategy here that HBO Max should toy with a bit just to mm. see. Because I think if you give them a, the audience a good solid taste, they might be more likely to stick around for the future. Yeah, I think as well, um, 
you know, this this is something maybe only HBO Max can do in this in their specific situation because Disney Plus, as we know, their series are six episodes long, mm. yeah. and so if you drop three all at once, you've watched half the series. That's it. Fifty <laughs> percent of the series is done, and you're going, "Wow, is that it?" Mm. You know, and you go, "I'm halfway through. What else has it got to offer?" Yeah. Whereas with Peacemaker, you can watch three episodes and go, "Well, look, I've got another five. That's quite a lot." Four. Four. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Seven episodes. But it? I mean, that's still like a, like quite decent. You can fit a lot more in there. Right. Yeah. Because. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, like... you are right. No, no, sorry. I forgot. There is eight episodes. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I've only seen seven. And I feel like I feel like I have actually seen the whole series at this point. Right. I still forget we have another one to go. Um. But yeah, no, there is a lot to fit in here. And to anyone that hasn't actually seen the last episodes, like just... Hang in there. There's there's a lot more to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Peacemaker yeah. shows that there's a lot more that you can fit in each episode as you go. Next up, Comcast reports that the streaming service Peacock has lost $1.7 billion Oof. as they continue to invest big money developing original content. Comcast is still committed to developing original content for its streaming service as they will be doubling their investment in content and expect the loss for 2022 to be 2.5 billion dollars damn so yeah what do you lads think is comcast beating a dead horse here or will these investments pay off in the long-term picture uh you know frankly besides the office what does peacock have halloween oh evil dies tonight um you know it's it's hard for me to comment on peacock to be to be fair it's not even available in new zealand so you know what what kind of judgments do i have on it in terms of what its content has available to us Mm, um you know i could go on the streaming service and find a whole bunch of things on there that i go oh that's actually pretty good oh i'm gonna i can binge that i can binge that Mm. um and you know the office is obviously a big draw but you know office is done it's over it Mm. obviously has a lot of rewatch numbers but you know, it is done. So, um, you know, frankly, I don't know what Peacock has to offer because I personally haven't seen a long list of, you know, um, series and, and, and films that they're going, oh, only see it on Peacock. Oh, you're going to be excited about this one. You know, mm. well, personally, not a single one comes to my head. A few come to my head for Paramount Plus, yeah. um, but none for Peacock. I guess it's because of our location. Mm. Yeah, I think we're on the same boat here. I can't really think of any like popular franchises besides The Office that would want or that would garner the audience towards this platform. Um, yeah, that one point seven billion loss—that's pretty much almost the budget of uh, the Lord of the Rings um, TV series that Amazon's dropping, and that's just on one series. Mm. And the studio has lost that between everything. So yeah, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know what Peacock has more to offer. I mean, they can either look at merging with another streaming service, mm-hmm. potentially similar to, I don't know, Disney and what Pixar do, like as a overall um, studios, how like Pixar's underneath um, Disney. But you mean Disney just buys buys them outright? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah. They can join the Disney empire and make, boom, their views go up automatically, you know? But mm-hmm. yeah, I think maybe the best thing for Peacock, peacock to do is instead of investing more money look at their losses and probably try find a solution to that by merging with another streaming service it's mm. interesting 
it's pretty clear what would bring more subscribers and viewers to Peacock. A new season of The Office? I mean, similar. I was going to say The <laughs> Office reunion. Because a new season, you may alienate, you know, old viewers and stuff like that. But a reunion. Bring back the original cast. HBO Max is doing this with Harry Potter and the Friends. And I know the Harry Potter numbers haven't come out yet. But the Friends numbers for that reunion were wild. They, they were very, very big. Um, so I do think Peacock could absolutely do something really good and attract new people with that. Yeah, that, that's a good yeah. point. I think that The Office has like become such a revolutionary sort of show now yeah. um, and popular over time that you know it could definitely bring in some numbers there. That being said, w- what sort of long-term goals do they have? Mm. I don't really know. I mean, I suppose it's you tough. could you could create a new TV series and that mockumentary style like The Office and Parks and Recreation. Mm. Um, bring yeah. bring in something like that. Bring back um, that Michael Schur. The guy who did um, The Good Place and wrote The Office and also created oh, yeah. Parks and Rec. Oh, He's yeah. essentially yeah. that sort of like cornerstone writer along with um, Mindy um, Kaling. Mindy Kaling? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, on paper, it doesn't look good, this. But it's actually pretty standard across streaming services. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Netflix borrowed $16 billion. Borrowed? Yeah. yeah. They borrowed $16 billion to build up their content library. And... They've done this, but they're in a much better place now because, you know, you got like the Netflix CEO saying, you know, the Squid Games universe has begun. Like uh, yeah. That, that was a quote <laughs> the other day that he said. So it's all about establishing new IP exclusive to your streaming service. Yep. And yep. if you can find something that attaches itself to, uh, you know, the general audience to pop culture, mm-hmm. then you really have something to build upon and go from there. It's Peacock is almost relying on the office itself. And, you know, the office was extremely popular on Netflix. It was. It it led year after year in terms of numbers. So, you know, is one popular, you know, property enough to sway someone to subscribe to another streaming service? No, it's not. They they need more. They need Mm. multiple reasons to, you know, spend this money month after month you know exactly. it's yeah it's it's an interesting one because i think um you know you had the mandalorian release right mm. and disney plus subscribers skyrocketed didn't they with it but yeah. people knew as well that more was coming i think they by the mandalorian they had announced obi-wan i think maybe maybe that came later they knew like mcu shows yeah, and mcu no, shows yeah. were coming so i you think know. the occasional star wars one here and there and then plus yeah. all the original um disney channel um content as well there's a lot mm. there you have yeah. the whole mcu to write off you know of and um yeah i think that one show while it won't be enough um you need just basically ip it's all about ip yeah. you know warner brothers has it with hbo max um netflix has it through sheer brute force mm. of making stuff. Yeah. Stranger yeah. Things, you know. Um, they make so much. Oh, squ- you know, Squid Game mm. and, you know, all these all these, all these, these sorts of, you know, hit shows. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, continuing on, Fast and Furious 10 is set to release in mid-2023 and is currently gearing up its preparation to begin production. Well, clearly, no rock. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Jason Momoa is currently in final negotiations to join the ensemble cast of Fast and Furious 10. 
Dwayne Johnson has confirmed that he will not be returning. Assuming there are no major setbacks in negotiations, Mamal will be entering the Fast and Furious franchise world. Do we think this is a worthy addition to the franchise? I think he will be um, a great addition to this Fast and Furious franchise. I mean, Jason Momoa himself, he is he looks like and feels like a character in this Fast franchise. Just the way he portrays himself. Isn't like, big and muscly and strong? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> wow. And, man- and manly, you know? But no, he also has like that look. I mean, he can play pretty much anything like a mechanic or even a villain. Physicist? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, has there been a physicist in the Fast and Furious franchise? Oh, probably, knowing their villains. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean... I did read a report earlier this week where um, he might be in talks of that villain role. Mm. So I would actually like to see him in that because I can't remember or can't think of a thing where I've seen him in where he's a villain. I mean, you could, as a Dothraki leader, he was sort of, he wasn't like a hero, but he wasn't also like a villain. He was like a... He's a villain. He's an I mean, he's basically, yeah, he's a villain, he's but a- he's he's not a, he's, he's one with like a, a lens which isn't meant for you to hate him yeah. yeah he's shown on a weirdly sympathetic angle mm. but yeah. then like the stuff we project after that is aquaman and his character in dune as well where it's all just heroic sort of characters so mm-hmm. it'd be nice to see him be a villain but then i also wouldn't be surprised if he's like a long lost brother of letty or someone oh. you know oh god <laughs> you just know they're gonna spin that out and yeah. just the end they're gonna be like oh my brother yeah <laughs> pretty much and then he'll be part of the family so instead of like, oh. instead of him saying "my man," you'll hear him say "my fam." <laughs> oh <Ciao. boy>. <laughs> Pretty much, but yeah, I th- I think it'll work. I think Jason mm. Momoa will work in the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, sure. I, I totally agree with you there. I mean, Jason Momoa, personally, I think he is a, the perfect choice for this. Not really because of his acting or his looks, but rather because. I suppose it is his acting, but rather his physicality mm. yeah. in roles. Yeah. He's, he's, in my opinion, the most physical actor I have seen in a long time in Hollywood, with the exception of maybe Taron Egerton, maybe... Um, George yeah. McKay? Who? George McKay. Yeah, um, this is more like, you know, they're in combat roles oh, um, right. Jason Momoa, and I don't know if any of you have seen it, yeah. it's the Apple TV series. TV series C, just S E E C. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. The physicality and and choreography seen in that show is like crazy. Mm. He's doing it all himself. Yeah, he's doing crazy stunt work himself, and it just goes to show that I think he's probably, I would say he's the most stunt experienced guy in his age range right now than any of those guys oh, on in Fast and Furious. That's high praise. It is. He's yeah. he's super, super agile for his size. Yeah. And, you know, I just think he's probably the perfect addition if you were gonna go in that down that alley. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 completely on board. I, I really like this casting choice. Not particularly for me. Like it's not gonna, you know, get yeah. me so excited for <laughs> Fast and Furious ten. I'll be perfectly the same. But he is the perfect fit. Yeah. for this established cast already you know he just he can bring that energy you know that fits in you know with that ludicrous that high octane 
action that the Fast and Furious franchise delivers. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, and the movies aren't, you know, they aren't dialogue driven. They don't really have the dialogue that truly tests, you know, acting ability. So it's going to be like a franchise where he's just, he's more of an extension of himself. Yeah. It's kind of like Aquaman in a sense. Mm. Yeah. Aquaman feels like Jason Momoa. Yeah. I I don't know if that's like more like, um his acting ability or it's just it was written around his him being casted as that that you know title hero there yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's he's it's pretty much the same in game of thrones where you know he's he's more of a silent villain but um in, in game of thrones he's still that very like grunty guy who does like you know like war calls and stuff like that yeah and he he does the same in c honestly he does the same in it in that Mm. tv show um, but you know, you, you do see a little bit of it in Dune where he's showing that physicality here and there, especially you, in his like final fight and his final fight sequence. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. it's like, that's a smidge compared to what you see in C. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, I think this is probably a natural step. I think for them, I don't think there is many actors out there besides maybe Batista that could fill this role. <laughs> It's always that the same. Batista would actually be a good fit Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably next. He's probably a villain. He's probably coming up. (laughs) Fast and Furious 11. Stay tuned. Yep. That's the final one as well. It is. Yeah. But they keep introducing these, like, villains. You know, John Cena. Is he going to be in the next one? Like, he was a villain. He's like, oh, I'll come back soon or something like that. He might be. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah, moving on. The Producer Guild Awards now and the Director Guild Awards, they have both announced their nominations. These award shows are key indicators for how the award shows are shaping up and especially towards how Academy Awards are shaping up. Uh, they share you know, the same members across the awards season and as we inch closer to the Oscars, you know, they'll be able to show sort of what's in line to be nominated. The Producers Guild Awards have dropped their nominations and so... The nominees for Outstanding Producer for a Theatrical Motion Picture are Being the Ricardos, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom, West Side Story. Now remember, the winner of the award has gone on to win Best Picture at the Oscars 22 of the past 32 years. So that's quite Mm. a high percentage. Yeah, so this is pretty big. Is there anything here that really sticks out to you guys? Anything that you feel should have gotten in or, you know, didn't earn its nomination? Um, Yeah, I can immediately name a movie that I think should have gotten nominated, and that's Pig. Um, oh, yes, oh. that's a good movie. Yeah, to me, that stands out as the film that I enjoyed more than a lot of the films that were listed there. Um, that being said, I think... There's a trend showing already when you look across all these award ceremonies and all these different websites and all these different like rankings and stuff like that. And that's that, you know, the power of the dog, Belfast and licorice pizza all tend to to stay there. They all Mm. tend to be sort of in the running. They're those big boys. Those are the big boys right now. And those are probably the three that one of those three is probably going to be the one that will win best picture at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, so those are really the only ones of concern. And so then you're left with the outliers. Mm. Um, the problem with something like West Side Story is that it has already been done. Mm. It has been done. I, I believe this new West Side Story 
is better than the original. Yeah. But the original won 12 Oscars. Yeah. And so, or 11, I don't remember. 11. But 11. I do, I do believe it was 11. Yeah. 11, yeah. Still a lot of Oscars. Still a lot. That's a ton Still of Oscars, a yeah. yeah. A lot of gold. <laughs> and so, it just makes me think, well, you know, the original has already won so many. People have seen it before. They, they won't go for it again. Mm. Um, it's kind of like been done. Yeah. Uh, and the other the other nominations there, Coda. I'm I like Coda. I do like it. I think it's a good movie. I think it's a great coming of age story. Mm. I don't think it's best picture worthy. Mm. I like what it does for, you know, you know, representation of you know, deaf or hard of hearing people, but mm. I don't think it's a super original or interesting story. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on Pig, hundred percent. <laughs> I'm surprised that something like um, Don't Look Up like I do love the film don't get me wrong but I'm surprised that got nominated over Pig yeah. but um, the one that I was really surprised about when I first read this list was Ben the Ricardos I mean it's a perfectly fine film in my mm. opinion mm. and it had great performances which is obviously where its nomination should be but I don't think it should be Best Picture yeah. it should yeah. like for if, it's, if I can't pick Pig then to replace it would easily be Spencer. I mean, I thoroughly enjoy that movie. Yeah. I mean, it does have a great uh, performance in it in uh, Kristen Stewart, which she hopefully, I hope she gets nominated for. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. It, like just watching the film, like I have zero interest in Princess Diana and just watching it, mm. it made me interested in the character, well, not the character, but the person that she was mm-hmm. and yeah. how she portrayed herself amongst like everyone. So yeah, I'd, I'd put that on this list of... Um, both those films yeah no i i do agree yeah but i i do think overall that these nominations they did nail it you can have stuff like pig spencer the green knight all that stuff come in but at the end of the day the Mm -hmm. oscars they don't nominate you know 10 films this is 10 films um they've only nominated 10 films twice in like the last like 13 years Mm -hmm. so they're very unlikely to do it um, especially, you know, given, you know, a little bit more limited selection based on, you know, the pandemic and how yeah. films release these days. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see, you know, being the Ricardos come in. I don't know what misses out here. Tick, tick, boom, maybe. That one's not too big. Coda, that snuck in here really fast. But don't look up. I'm, I'm actually really glad that made it in, despite the... <laughs> Those reviews that came in, sort of 50-50 yeah. between critics yeah. and stuff like that, it's clear that the audience has had a you know a strong connection to it and they've really liked it and they gave you know Netflix a sort of a record of viewing numbers and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's good to see that in there. Um, but I'm I'm really happy with all these selections here. Um, I haven't seen everything. I hope to see everything soon. You know, yeah. New Zealand isn't very kind. When it comes to sort of Oscar-related movies, yeah, no, they not. they just love to release things in March and April for us. Yeah, um, or, or everyone's a week like, "What? I saw that last year." Yeah, <laughs> or a week before the Oscars, and we're just like, "Oh no!" Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I hope to see you know majority of these being in that best picture category mm-hmm. when nominations mm-hmm. come out for sure in early next week. Yeah, but uh, secondly, the Directors Guild Awards announced the nominations. Similar to the Producer Guild Awards nominations, these nominations also play a big part in determining who will be nominated for the Best Director category at the Oscars. The nominees for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Theatrical Feature Film are 
Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branner for Belfast, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, and Denis Villeneuve for Dune. So again, what do we think of these nominations? Well, I think again, it's clear. Uh, those three films remaining, Power of the Dog, Belfast, mm. Licorice Pizza. You did say again. that. <laughs> yeah. So you're hearing those three names. It's consistent. And then the other two, um, you know, besides maybe West Side Story sneaks in there every single time, it seems. Um, I don't think it has too much of a leg to stand on to win Best Picture. I might regret saying that. Mm. Um, but the one that kind of surprised me surprised me the most was Dune, to be really? honest. Um, I really love Dune, but I did, uh, to be honest, I'm shocked that it has a Best Director's <laughs> nomination there, just yeah. because I think that it is relatively a contentious selection for winning lots of awards besides in the visual category mm. um just because you know it is a, the first part in a story um and a lot of people felt like you know it needs more of a completion before yeah. people can make a full assessment on on that film mm. um that being said you know like i'm glad it's getting some love um i'm glad denise is getting some love there but i just don't really see it you know, landing in the Oscars and having all that buzz and being right at the top of the charts. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. Um, look, I've only, there's only two films off that list that I have not seen myself, but pretty much as soon as I saw the power of the dog, that was me set in terms of it's winning best picture mm. at the Oscars. As soon as I saw it, I did find it a little bit boring, but I stuck through it and I think that will be, the winner yeah it had payoff mm. in it the did. end it had it, real payoff that's it's one of those movies that you just go like where are you going with this and then it finishes and you're like ah exactly I yeah see. then again i wouldn't be surprised if say west side story or belfast ended up like sneaking up and naming that one that's true mm -hmm. but yeah i'm i'm pretty happy with these nominations i'm still yet to see licorice pizza and west side story itself um but i'll definitely get around to that and maybe my opinion changed but for now power the dogs number one mm-hmm yeah um yeah th these nominations they're you know, the bang on the money because despite what you're saying about denis villeneuve here you know dune is it's a showcase of that directing ability that he has he brings everything in together performances the screenplay the visual side the sound design world building he brings all those elements to it mm -hmm. and so it's, it's really a showcase of his directing ability here which I think he deserves that nomination. But um, I do think Power of the Dog is going to be the one to take it. But I'm mm -hmm. just, I'm so happy that Steven Spielberg for West Side Story has, you know, continued its, you know, um, presence in that awards season, despite, you know, the box office flop. Side yeah, it's like, yeah. it's almost like you're like, ah, I see you. I'm yeah. glad you're getting appreciation there. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think there's any better directing ability than steven spielberg and the musical mm. oh and uh the musical of west side story 100 percent. It, it, it's his first one and he nails nearly every single aspect of that movie yep almost perfectly and that's a big word for me to use <laughs> but everything is just so yeah good to the max like i i, I coming out of the movie I'm like how do you make that better yeah you can't <laughs> you, you can't just, you just can't yeah. you can't make it better yeah he does the best job with every single aspect of filmmaking you're making that. me want to watch it again now <laughs> <laughs> it'll be out on disney plus soon i'm sure yeah 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 
But finally, the Academy Awards nominations are set to be announced in about a week and a half. For us movie buffs, the Oscars are essentially our Super Bowl as we get to see the amazing work from others getting the most prestigious awards. There's also a fun, fun element to the Oscars, you know, as you can predict certain films and you can sort of root for certain ones and all that kind of stuff. We're getting close to the Academy Awards, boys. Are you guys excited for the upcoming Oscars? And do you agree with all the movies that are, you know, currently in that mix right now? I don't know. I mean, I don't know because I know that 2021 was a hard year mm. yeah. for films for us. I mean, we were in lockdown for... Like New Zealand specifically. New, yeah, New Zealand specifically yeah. were in lockdown for, God, how many weeks? A hunt? No. It was like three months it's a very confusing concept with us, the way we came out of it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it was like staggered and then it kind of came back yeah. and then it came yeah. out of it again. <laughs> yeah. And it was essentially like, I say at least over half our year was gone where we could not watch movies full stop. Mm. Agreed. Um, yeah. And so it just makes the build up to the Oscars even harder to sort of, uh, I guess, put in your head and structure and be excited for absolutely um so yeah and and also as name was saying before on the previous question you know oscars for new zealand oscar films they come out sometimes a week before in new zealand they come out a week yeah. before the actual oscars and it just makes things like that much harder to like stay on top of mm. because you you have to stagger all the films yeah and and by the time like the oscars roll around you know it's just been so long and you're already like quarter or the way through the year for yeah. other films. So it's hard. Um, but there are some great films in the mix there. Um, I must say, I do hope we get a physical award ceremony and not a, a virtual. weird virtual one yeah, that yeah. like didn't really exist like yeah. the Golden Globes did. Yeah. Um, and I know, <laughs> I know that Omicron is, is spreading throughout the US and you know, it's crazy there. And I understand if it's canceled, mm. but you know, there's, you lose something so major when you take away that physical aspect to the Oscars. Uh, who do you think the host will be? Cause Academy Awards have said they were gonna, they're going to have a host or who do you want? Sorry. That's probably a better question there. Probably someone that is lighthearted. Yeah. Um, and I would say he probably wouldn't do it even if he was asked, but Camille Nanjani. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think he would do it. I think he he's very much, he's super politically aware. Mm. He's a really smart guy. Yeah. And I think he probably looks at it and he goes, mm, runs the numbers and goes, nah, yeah. not worth it. Mm. Uh, and I can totally get that. Yeah. Uh, I just think he would bring that, that fun energy that would be needed. Mm. Definitely. It's always good when comedians are host. To yeah. Honest, to bring that lightheartedness to the show. Yeah. Um, whether I'm excited for this, to be honest, my excitement for the Oscars has died down ever since COVID hit, mainly because it's gone to this virtual thing. Like, it's no longer physical, so you don't get, like, mm. the red carpet, the whole grandeur of the Oscars and what they should be. Red carpets... Full-on shows, acceptance speeches, and if you're lucky enough, a host here and there. Yeah. Um, I am excited for a few categories in terms of um, what's going to be nominated and will eventually win, so I'll be keeping an eye on those. But other than that, meh, it can just pass on until like there's physical shows once again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on the same level. You know, the whole New Zealand lockdown that we had for, you know, an extended amount of time, it definitely 
hit my you know tracking of award season as you guys both know that mm-hmm. i'm quite into the award season how it progresses and what movies are in that sort of realm and all that kind of stuff you know the lockdown had me focused on other things in my life so oh yeah i could never yeah. track it i couldn't even be interested in it like i just was not in this one um but you know every year you have the movies that you love and brute for and stuff like that so i'm gonna have mine and you know i look to uh you know pro- providing my nominations in the future but yeah just the the oscars haven't been that engaging mm. before covid yeah yeah they've been a mess before covid so it's true covid doesn't true. have many chance but if you can get a host there that's you know someone that's funny and all that kind of stuff and really plays along and makes it flow well i, I could have a good time with it a much better time than beforehand um i mean my vote would actually go to pete davidson his name was in that mix oh and, yeah, yeah. And, a host yeah the, the mm. oscars actually talked to him about it and i mean he's declined since but i thought he'd be really good and, you know he's a comedian he can provide that sort of relaxed yeah. i feel like yeah. people need uh someone funny yeah. to come in because it's yeah. so serious around like around the world right now everyone's yeah. so yeah. serious in these times yeah, yeah. And just have that relaxed angle that pete davidson can really push that's yeah. true oh yeah my answer by the way before camille nanjani i didn't give any context on who this guy is he is um he plays uh the role of uh what is it um he's on eternals yeah uh he plays the sort of one of the eternals what's his name I can't think of it. I just know there's so many Eternals. Yeah. I can't think of he, it. He's the um, Indian guy that's being followed by the civilian Indian guy in terms of making a documentary. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's right. He's in like the Bollywood film and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and he was also on the Twilight Zone as well. Oh yes, yeah. And he's in that that rom com, The Big Sick. He plays Kingo. Kingo, that's right. Yeah. I was about yeah. I, I was so close. I was like, kick, 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 kick. I couldn't think of it. I was like, nope. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, he's he's really funny as a comedian, but mm. I totally agree with you as well. Um, Pete Davis is a fantastic selection. I think anyone who can relax the Oscars mm. and be like, look, guys, just, just enjoy the ceremony. Just have fun. Yeah. 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 Especially in this time. We, mm-hmm. we all need a bit of fun. Yeah, but, you know, on our next Let's Be Real show, we're going to be going through our predictions for the Academy Awards nominations, so make sure you tune in with us and see if your predictions actually align with us. But now, it is time to cover the box office estimates for the weekend. So we got Spider-Man No Way Home back at number one with 11 million, Scream with 7.35 million, Sing 2 with 4.8 million, Redeeming Love with 1.85 million, and The Kingsman with 1.75 million so yeah it is yet another slow weekend at the box office you know theaters they need they would have appreciated morbius at this time to Mm -hmm. sort of boost those numbers up a bit um but yeah sony's clearly you know allocated more room for the spider-man no way home Mm -hmm. to continue its dominance um yeah no way home's been at that that forefront of the box office conversation for in the past seven weeks now and as rightly so it continues to make waves here as we as this week it obtained its sixth weekend at number one that is the first comic movie to ever do so oh really yeah, wow. yeah. not even Endgame. no black panther had five weeks at number one i think Endgame was four weeks wow yeah nowhere home has had the most weeks at number one for a mm. comic book movie that's pretty big, but you have to consider that the release slate has been much more kind to 
No Way Home. Yeah, True. it feels yeah. like they've just like removed so many films. I feel like so many mm. films could have come out within the past sort of like three weeks. Yeah, that yeah. That haven't. At least yeah. dethroned it for consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the more notable figure, you know, to me at least, is that um, it hit $1 billion internationally. And it's the, it's the ninth film to do so, but it did it without China. Now, yeah. if you took away China's total uh, from all the other movies that had one billion internationally, you'd only have four movies. So yeah, it, it, it's a pretty pretty big. Now, Spider-Man: Nowhere Home is expected to get around you know one point seven five to one point eight billion dollars in its final run. So my my question to you guys is, you know, considering that Avengers: Endgame made six hundred twenty five million. Uh, from China and Avengers Infinity War made 359 million in China as well. Do you think that No Way Home had a real chance of hitting that 2 billion mark if it actually got a China release date? Absolutely. Ooh. It is crawling up to that, what it's you said, 1.7 to 1.8 right now. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. without China in a pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it released in China, which is second biggest in terms of cinemas, am I correct on saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely would hit the two billion mark in a pandemic, where all these other films that hit two billion, that there was no pandemic, there was no restrictions, nothing. So if it even does hit two billion, then I think if this film released where COVID didn't exist, it could be up there and dethrone Avatar mm. potentially. Well, Avatar's at three, isn't it? It's getting there. Two point eight five. Okay, two point eight five. Something something around that figure. Yeah. Um. I feel that it would be number four of all time if China was involved because it goes it goes Avatar, Endgame, and then... Titanic. Ti- Titanic? Yeah. Okay, so not adjusted... F- I don't know. Is it adjusted for inflation? They don't, inju- they don't like adjust that for the worldwide because there's so much... Like, I, thought, I thought the um, uh, Force Awakens was across two billion. It did, yeah. It did. And I think Infin- that's in at number and five. Infinity War. I think there's only five movies that across two billion. Okay, so yeah. it might it might be number five of all time. And and I know everyone goes on about go- um, Gone with the Wind, oh, adjusted for inflation, yeah, but that was staggered between um, many many years, many decades of, mm. of cinema releases. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say. Um, but yeah, mm. I think I think this easily would have um, smashed past that two billion mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, with China involved. Um, it's shown to be a film that has just punctured pop culture in a very specific way and, and made waves throughout it. So it's not really surprising, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I, I do agree. It would have absolutely smashed that. I think it would have topped Infinity War and The Force Awakens as well because I think Ooh. they're around 2.05, 2.07. Oh, yeah, then yeah. I agree. Both those yeah. movies, yeah. Because you got to consider China as a market itself right now. It's not really having too much complications with COVID, Omicron, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the battle at Lake Shangjin. Uh, I don't know if that's correct pronunciation, but that made 900 million in China. Mm. This year? This year. Oh, wow. oh sorry, 2021. Oh. Nine point what? 900 million. Just 900 by million. Just by itself. And that that's crazy for one market alone. So I think, you know, No Way Home could have easily done 300 there. It could have easily crossed the 2 billion mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like the most optimistic of predictions for this movie had it pinned close to two billion. Yeah, so it's it's done. It's done amazing. It's true. Yeah, Definitely. we can't take that away from it. 
But yeah, that's going to do it from us. But to all you wonderful human beings listening right now, do you agree with all that has been said today? Perhaps you aren't a fan of Jason Momoa joining the Fast and Fury franchise, or maybe you think the Producer Guild Award nominations just got it entirely wrong. Whatever it is, whatever your thoughts are, head on over to our Instagram at moviegains, and from there, we can have a chat. We're also active on Facebook, Letterboxd, and moviegames.com if those platforms are more your cup of tea. As always, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Cheers to everyone who has tuned into our show today. It's always a good fun being a part of your day discussing all things pop culture. See everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you later.